Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, good morning again, Faith Assembly Church. It is so good to be here with you today to bring the word. And uh, we're so excited to have all of you joining in online today. Hey, if you're here with us today, why don't you just drop a comment below and say hi to us. We would love to know uh, that you're watching, that you're receiving the word, that you're participating with us today. And not only that, you know, it's been so interesting to just see the viewership that's been coming across and the different places that you're from. So even if it's a local city or something, just go ahead and drop that, a particular crossroad, wherever you are today accessing this stream, won't you just go ahead and drop that in the, in the comments below? Maybe you're in a different state, just go ahead. If, hey, you know what? This would be so awesome if you're in a different country. Please go ahead. I've, I've, got some, I've got some family live in London, England. So if you're watching today, go ahead and drop that in the comments today and let us know. We would love to hear from you also. Hey, y'all, look. Hey, cameraman, Mr. Andre, I need you to get in here tight on my shirt. I'm wearing my new favorite shirt today. It, it actually says, give me two claps and a hallelujah. You guys, yeah, yeah, come on now. Come on. Come on, give me two claps. For those of you that don't know, on a regular Sunday morning, our entire team comes and gathers here in the sanctuary. And, and what we do is we, we come and we voice expectation. I hope you got out of bed this morning expecting God to move in your life. I hope you didn't just get up today to enjoy a bowl of cereal in front of the TV, but you came expecting spiritual nourishment today as the Word of God comes forward. But we come in this place every Sunday morning and we say, hey, listen, this is what we're expecting from God today. This is how we're expecting God to move in the house and in the hearts of His people today. And we always wrap this up. I can't do justice like my man Sean does back here. I can't do justice, but every day he wraps us up, breaks us down in that thing. And here's what we do. We come together and we say, hey, give me two claps and a hallelujah. And Hey, my team's on it. So why don't you try it with us there at home right now? So give me two claps and a hallelujah. No, 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 no. I don't think they did it right because I don't think your neighbors heard you. I want your neighbors to hear you this morning. Listen, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of the Lord fell, something happened in that room so dynamic and so powerful that the neighbors passing by began to stop and say, hey, what's causing all this? What's going on up there? I want some neighbors right now. I want some neighbors over in Windsor. I want some neighbors over in Cherry Oaks. I want some neighbors over in Irish Creek. I want some neighbors over in Cedar Ridge right now to hear what's going on in your house and say, hey, what's causing all of that? It sounds like the Spirit of God is moving in that house today. It sounds like the Spirit of God is moving among that family today. So would you just help me right now and give me two claps and a hallelujah. All right, amazing, amazing. Good job, everybody. Good job. Hey, listen, I want to take a few minutes here. i got to set this word up this morning. As I was praying earlier this week with regard to this message that I was going to share today, the Lord just be- it was one of those moments that the Lord just began to pour things and, and pour this word into my heart and into my spirit. And, and, and it was just one of those moments where I was receiving things almost faster than I could write it down. 
And, and I, as I was noting those thoughts that the Lord was giving me, with regard to this message, the Lord impressed upon me this thought. And he said, never has there been a time when the church has a higher profile than it does right now. And I know some of you are thinking right now, Pastor, what do you mean because the church is closed? No, 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 no. You can't close the church. You can't close the church because you can't close a body of people. You can close a building. You can shut down a gathering, but you can't close the church. You see, the, the, the building has been closed. The tradition of meeting in person has been suspended. And as far as the world knows, as far as much of the world knows, the meeting, the appointed time and the appointed place is the sum total of the church's experience. To them, church is nothing more than a Sunday morning or a midweek gathering. But little does the world know, however, that the church is more about being than it is about having. And I believe by the Spirit of God, you are being the church right now in your living room. You are being the church in the workplace. You are being the church in the marketplace. And I believe even in this season that we're gaining ground, that we're moving forward. But nonetheless, everyone has turned their eyes to the church to see how it's going to respond to the current situation. Consequently, never has there been a time when the message of the local church has had the opportunity for a greater impact than it does right now. As I'm getting, now getting messages from all over the United States and even a few from overseas, I was reminded in this moment that I'm not just the pastor, although I cherish that title, I cherish that stewardship, I cherish that responsibility. I'm not just the pastor of Faith Assembly Church. Right now, like never before, I am, you are, we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We are mouthpieces, we are oracles through which God speaks. We are physical beings through which God moves. And as the Lord spoke to my heart this week, I believe that he said to me, I want you to have people consider this one thought. Since you're standing on this platform where thousands of people a week are tuning in and they're receiving the word and they're hearing the message, this is the challenge that I want you to issue to people today. And I want you to have people just consider the thought for just a few minutes. What if Jesus doesn't look like me? What if Jesus doesn't look like me? You know, one of the most interesting things I've done this week is to Google the term images of Jesus. And, and with that, just to see the, the variations that people have come up with through centuries of time. And I, I've got to tell you, some of, those, some of those images are interesting. Some of those images are just sad. And a few of those images are just outright funny. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. There's a few people that have actually taken a scientific approach to try to reconstruct what Jesus may have legitimately looked like as a first century Jew. But what's obvious in a lot of those things, however, is the fact that many artists have imagined a Jesus that in some way closely resembles in a general sense who they are. 
They've, they've, they've drawn, they've sketched, they've sculpted a Jesus that bears a resemblance to them. The white people have made a white Jesus. The black people have made a black Jesus. The Asians have made an Asian Jesus. The Arabs, an Arab Jesus. The liberals, a liberal Jesus. And the conservatives alike have made their versions as well. And the funny thing is this, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was a first century Jew and quite frankly probably looked nothing like any of these artists' renderings with which we've become so familiar. Nevertheless, I don't believe that any of us really ever imagine a Christ that doesn't somehow resemble us. He likes the things that we like. He approves of the things that we approve of. He, he, he caters to our preference. I want to turn your attention this morning to the book of Isaiah. And if you would turn there about chapter 53, we're going to volley back and forth a little bit between chapters 53 and 52. Um, but if you've, got a, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, I trust that you're accessing the Scripture on your own, that you've got a notepad handy, and that you're ready to take notes today and grow deeper in this Word before this day is over. Because I want to challenge you with that thought this morning. What if Jesus doesn't look like me? Because the truth of the matter is, I, am, I have, and we all have, a greater propensity to be accepting of people that look like us. If they like the same things and they agree on the same things and they have the same worldview, then there's a natural gravitation one to another. We, we, we easily bond together. But in our world, it's easy to see that the moment that somebody disagrees with us on a thought or a principle or a worldview, then it begins to drive a sharp division between us and them. It, it gives cause to discord and disunity. It doesn't matter what your statement of faith is. You let somebody disagree with you on your politics. And then all of a sudden the kingdom becomes secondary. Isaiah says this of the coming Messiah. Isaiah 53 verse 2. He's speaking of Christ several hundred years in advance. But, but God has given him a vision. God has given him a word. And he begins to speak and says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. And listen, here it is. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You've seen this airbrush Jesus with the long flowing locks, the perfect complexion, the bright blue eyes. That's not the description of Scripture. Isaiah says that there is no beauty. This guy's not going to be voted captain of the football team. This guy's not going to win the superlative of most popular. Maybe he even does kind of reflect what some of us feel when we look in the mirror. I don't know. But Isaiah says, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And that is this. It's not 
what he looked like that made him who he was. It's not what he looked like that made him who he was. Listen, I was studying this word and I came across this commentary from a man by the name of Albert Barnes. He's a theologian from the 1800s. And these are his remarks on Isaiah 53 too. And he says this, he does not appear in the form of which we had anticipated. He, he doesn't look like we thought he was going to. He doesn't come with the regal pomp and splendor which we would, we would suppose that he would assume. He is apparently of humble rank. He has few attendants and has disappointed wholly the expectation of a nation. And in regard to the personal appearance of the Redeemer, he says that it's remarkable that the New Testament has given us no information. Not a hint is dropped in reference to his height of stature or his form respecting to the color of his hair, his eyes, or his complexion. In all this, of which biographers are usually so full and particular, the evangelists are wholly silent. They don't tell us anything. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, none of them tell us anything about the visage, the appearance of Christ. Why? Why are they silent on the matter? They are silent on the matter because it doesn't matter. And the thing I love about this nation is this. And the thing I love about this city, Greenville, North Carolina, the thing I love about it is this. When I walk down the street of my city, when I walk down the streets of this town, when I walk through the stores and the marketplaces, I see diversity. I see a lot of people that don't look like me. I see a lot of people that speak a different language than me. I see a lot of people that come from different customs, traditions, and backgrounds than me. It's very diverse. But here's the thing. What they look like doesn't matter because what they look like doesn't make them who they are. What they look like doesn't make them who they are. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. You see, the, the, the New Testament writers were silent because it didn't matter what Jesus looked like. Is He the Son of God? Is He the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? Is He the spotless sacrifice that washes away all of our unrighteousness and makes us righteous in the sight of a holy God? And you see, if that's who He is, If that's who he is, then he is worthy. Jesus. Hallelujah. I said if that's who he is, then that makes him worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise that we have to give him today. Not because of what he looked like, but because of I wish somebody would just take 10 seconds right now and stand up right where you are and say, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise and dominion, God. You are worthy, God. 
Lord, I clap my hands. I fall on my knees and I cry, Holy, oh God. You are holy, Lord. You are worthy of praise. Jesus. Jesus. You see, our love for Him should be based on who He is and not what He looked like. Our love for Him should be based on who He is and not what He looked like. See, Jesus was rejected for what He looked like. Have you ever felt rejected because you didn't measure up to someone else's expectation? So was Jesus. Isaiah continues in that 53rd chapter and he says this, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him because he was despised and we did not esteem him. Why? Because when he showed up on the scene, he didn't look like our mold and our model. And we rejected him. More specifically, Jesus wasn't just rejected for what he did look like. He was actually rejected for what he didn't look like. Because the Pharisees rejected Jesus because he didn't look like them. He didn't fit their neat, crisp, little package of how people were supposed to do and how people were supposed to be and how people were supposed to behave. John says this, and we shout about it. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I won't ever do that again. But John says this, beloved, Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed to us what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That's a good word. That's a good word. Except that when you consider that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day and the Romans saw him, and they didn't care anything to be like him because he wasn't like them and wouldn't be like them refused to be like them the Pharisees saw him and didn't want to be like him they witnessed him and still didn't love him the light shone in the darkness John says and the darkness comprehended it not the religious leaders rejected him because he didn't share their prejudices he didn't share their worldview he didn't judge people the same way that they did he wouldn't engage in their racism He wouldn't be a part of their legalistic system. And here's another thing about the appearance of Jesus. Isaiah 52 and verse 14 says this, But many were amazed when they saw him because his face was so disfigured that he hardly seemed human. And and from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. This is, of course, Isaiah Isaiah being prophetic of the beating that Jesus was going to receive on his way to the cross. And Isaiah lets us know that by the time the Roman soldiers get done with Jesus, he's going to look more like a side of meat than a person. One one 
translation renders it this way, that his, his visage was marred beyond recognition. And here's the important thing in this verse. What he looked like never negated who he was. Even when he was beaten beyond recognition and you couldn't even tell that he was a man. Is that a man or a side of meat? It didn't matter. It didn't negate who he was. It didn't matter that he was bloodied and bruised. It didn't matter that he was beaten beyond recognition. Isaiah prophesied that by the time the soldiers would finish with the Messiah, he would hardly be recognizable as a human being. But that never negated who he was. And in case you forgot from a few minutes ago, let me remind you again that he is. Come on. He is. He is. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Jesus looked like. It didn't matter if he fit their mold, lived up to their expectations. None of that kept him from being who he was, the incarnate Son of God. But I want to ask you again, what if Jesus doesn't look like you? What if Jesus doesn't look like you? Would you love him anyway? Pastor Trey, I'm inclined to believe that in the modern era, there are a lot more people who are far more in love with the structures and systems of religion than they are with the Christ of the church. Would you, would you love him? If he didn't look like you thought he was supposed to look? If his skin wasn't the same color as yours, would you love him anyway? If he didn't agree with every point, single point of your worldview or your politics, would you love him anyway? The Pharisees didn't love him. The other religious leaders didn't love him. The Romans didn't love him. And to that, you might simply reply and say, well, pastor, that's hard to say because I have not seen him. And to that point, I would beg to differ. Because we all want to say yes, yes we would, but there's a true test that finds out whether or not you'd love Jesus if he didn't look like you. There's a very simple test to find that out. So let's make an application here. And then we're going to wrap up. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 says this. 
then God said, oh, don't you love that? Don't you love that in the creation account every time? And God said, and God said, and God said. All of creation had been formed and set into place and everything made right and the stage is set. And God said, chapter 1, verse 26, let us make human beings in our image. This is creator God speaking to the triune Godhead, that perfect entity of harmony and function, and saying to them, let us make man in our image to be like us. So when we look over here at Rhapsody, we see stamped in her being the very image of God. And when we look at Mike, and we look at Barry, and we look at Sean, and we, and we look at Anna, and we look at Lauren and Pastor Trey, and we look at Andre here behind the camera, and Byron back over in the sound booth and those media techs, when we look at them in the face, we are seeing someone that bears the divine image of our Savior. And I want to tell you today, if you want to know if you would love Jesus if he doesn't look like you, then all you've got to do is look around at the creation that bears his divine reflection and you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. Here's, here's the essence of what God said. Listen to this. Listen. God says everything has been created. God said we've, we've created many things that declare our glory. We've created many things that declare our glory. You see, creation testifies. The rising sun and the birds that sing and the leaves that wave in the breeze and the oceans roar, it all declares. And the majesty of the mountains, they all declare the glory and the splendor of God. And God said, we've got all these things that declare our glory. Now let's make something that declares our person. Let's set something in the midst of our glory, things that declare our glory, that's going to declare our person. And friends, listen to me. Listen to me in Greenville and Winterville and Aden and Grimesland. All of our friends in Stokes and Grifton, Simpson, Belvoir, listen to me. Farmville, listen to me. Folks listening in Georgia and Michigan and Florida, listen wherever you are. Listen right now to what Pastor Steve's about to say. Because I'm here today as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. I'm here today to speak to you, thus says the Lord. And you hear me. You never have or never will look into the face of another human being that you will not see someone whose very being has been stamped with the image of the divine. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. It is the very foundation of this nation as we're declaring independence. And you will never look into the face of another human being that doesn't declare the person of the divine. It's created in them. 
whether they have ever allowed that part of their lives to be redeemed or not, it's there. Whether or not they've ever acknowledged it, it's there. They may be living like a devil, but the image of God is pressed into their very being. They may not look like you. They may look like an addict or a bum, but it's in there. They may look like a cheat and a liar, but it's in there. Their view of life, religion, and politics may make you grind your teeth, but that image is in there. Their skin color may be different than yours, but the image of Almighty God, whom you say you worship and adore, is in there. They may speak a different language and even serve a false god or live an alternative lifestyle, but it's in there. It's in there. And if you think this message today is about racial accord, you're right. This message is about racial accord. You ought to love everybody you see regardless of the color of their skin. Let me tell you something. I want to go on record. I want to go on record here this morning and say this. Racism is a vile evil from the very pits of hell and it's something that is demonically inspired to bring enmity among God's creation. I didn't get a loud enough people, amen from the people in the chat right then. I said racism is a vile evil that it, from the very pits of hell and it's demonically inspired. But this message, however, is is about much more than just race because discord and malice and hate and prejudice doesn't know any boundaries and and it often takes a little more than a difference little more than a difference of opinion for our feathers feathers to get ruffled and we withhold love and compassion from our fellow man can i just list for y'all just a minute some of the people that Christians oftentimes don't like and from whom they withhold their love. Christians oftentimes don't like people that don't share the same preferences as them. And I can say this because I am one. I'm a Christian. I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of God. We don't like people that don't hold the same political views as us. People who don't dress like us or dress the way we think they should people who don't like the same kind of music that we, don't, that we like, people who worship differently than we do, people who read from a different translation of the Bible than we do. Mike, I bet you read an NIV, don't you? We don't like people who do pray in King James English. Some of you don't like people who don't pray in King James English. Because every time the Ancient of Days speaks to you, he speaks to you in a dialect from the 1600s. It's amazing. And the list could go on and on and on. And these are just the folks that Christians don't like with whom they attend church. We, we didn't even get outside the doors yet. And oftentimes the divide only grows deeper from there. But we have a hard time we have a hard times, oftentimes, with people who don't look like us, people who don't dress like us, people who don't bear the same complexion as we do. Then John asks us this question and says, 
if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. In other words, if I behold the stamped image of God in your life and I can't find love for you that I do see, you're right there. I can touch you. I can see you. I can hear you when you speak audibly. If I can't love the image of God that's in you, how am I supposed to be loving a God that I've never even seen? John says that God has given you a revelation, a representation of himself, and you don't love it. Why are you so delusional as to believe that you'd love him? And some may say, well, Pastor John is simply speaking about other believers. Well, if, you know, if that's where you want to stop with it, that would be great if we could just start there and get that piece put together good. That would be wonderful. After all, that is given to us as the greatest trademark for authentic faith. John records Jesus saying, By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. But there's a couple of verses here that we need to remember this morning. Very simple, very elementary verses. The first one is this, John 3, 16. Come on, quote it with me right now in your living room. Right now in your easy chair, just quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. love the world Romans 5 8 says this but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners we didn't look like God we didn't the image of God the very image of God in us was sin marred it was broken it was fractured it didn't look like him but he loved us and he loved us so much in that state that was contrary to who he was that Christ died for us that's the state we were in when it says that God so loved the world I I didn't look like Christ I didn't act like Christ but that didn't keep him from loving me with the greatest demonstration of love and that is laying down his own life Now listen to me, church. It's a flawed theology for us to say that we love God but despise His image as is seen in those around us. And I'm not telling you that you've got to adopt and adapt to the world systems, but when God the Father looked at the world in the sense of the people who populated the earth, He was moved by love and compassion. He didn't grit His teeth and say, they won't be and they won't do like I want them to be and do and they don't look like I want them to look and therefore I hate them no 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 Mm-mm. he looked at us with all of our faults and our imperfections so I love them I, I love them he didn't say they, they don't look like I think they should look and therefore I despise them oh no no he didn't say that 
He didn't say that. Listen, I'm not telling you that you're going to agree with everyone that you meet up with. Jesus didn't agree with the woman at the well, and there were racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans, but Jesus had compassion on her. Jesus demonstrated the reverse of that also when he gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he said, hey, Samaritan, the Samaritan in this case was the one who overcame the barriers of feelings and allowed himself to be moved with compassion. Let me tell you something. When when you're watching the evening news and you're seeing a young man laying in the street in a pool of blood and he's just lost his life and all you can think to yourself is, well, he got what he deserved. And your heart is not broken. I don't care what his lifestyle was. I don't even care what he did. But your heart is not broken. That the image of God was not redeemed in the life of that man. And he was brought to the fullness of who God created and intended him to be. Brother, you've got a problem. We've got a flawed theology in the church when we come to a place that we prefer policy and preference above people. We've got a broken understanding of what it means to truly love God if we can despise our neighbor. And I want to ask you this one more time today. What if Jesus doesn't look like you? Would you love him? If you really want to know the answer, all you've got to do is look around yourself. Because how can we say that we love God whom we've not seen and hate our neighbor whom we have seen? Somebody who's listening to me right now, you need to go and make things right with your neighbor. You need to apologize to somebody and say, listen, I'm sorry for the feelings that I've had about you. I'm sorry for the hatred that I've harbored for you. And for what? Because you didn't look like me. You didn't act like me. You didn't think like me. You didn't view the world like me. I've seen you walk through hardship and I've thought, my God, you just got what you deserved. Somebody who's listening right now, you need to drop that grudge that you've been carrying with whoever it is at the office. I told you earlier that malice and hatred know no boundaries. And as we close this message today, I want to invite you to take an inventory of your heart. and See, is there any hatred? Is there any ill will for your fellow man? I'm challenging you today. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of it. Listen to me. Time is short. I know know there's some of you, you've been to church and you've heard that all your lives. Your great-grandma, when I was a teenager, my great-grandma used to tell me all to scared the life out of me because she was 90-something years old. And I thought to myself, my God, I'm never even going to get my driver's license because this old girl can't last much longer. You know, I mean, she's just not going to live forever. But she used to tell me, she'd say, son, I believe Jesus is coming in my lifetime. Some of you have heard that too. You grew up in a tradition where people preached and taught the coming of the Lord. And we preach and we teach that here in this church. And I'm preaching it and I'm telling it to you right now that time is short. 
listen to me, church. It's time to get our priorities straight. It's time to get our hearts right before God in all things. And it's time to focus on the objectives of the kingdom more than our own preferences. And remember this, there is nothing more important than eternity. That's true as we examine our own hearts. That's true for the person who desperately needs to be shown the love of God. The stakes are too high. There's too much to lose to harbor bitterness and hatred over peripheral differences. We need to remember that our greatest assignment in this world is to, is to represent the kingdom of God here and now to everybody that we see without discrimination, without preference, but to say, I'm here as a representative to let you know brother to let you know sister that there's a God in heaven that loves you and he gave his life for you and he would do it just for you if he needed to so that you could spend eternity with him I want you to pray with me I want you to pray with me and then we're going to rejoice. You guys ready to rejoice? Father, forgive us, oh God. Forgive us, oh God, of any time for any reason that we've ever looked into the face of another human being and despise someone who bore your very image. God, we repent. We repent as a church. We repent as a nation. We repent as a people. And God, we ask you to heal our land, O oh Lord. Father, would you move in our hearts? God, let us be a people who are more moved and driven by the wind of the Spirit and a spirit of compassion and love for our fellow man more so than we are driven by our own preferences and pretenses, oh God. Lord, we celebrate you and we've had a lot of fun in this house today celebrating you. And I know that the people at home have had a great time in your presence. But God, we know there's no greater celebration of your love towards us than for us to go out and celebrate your love with a lost and dying world. To celebrate your love in the bond of unity with fellow believers. Oh God, break down barriers in this land. Lord, let the walls of hate begin to crumble and fall. Oh God, let there be an awakening of kingdom purpose in the hearts of your people, oh Jesus. Lord, let us be able to answer the question boldly and confidently. What if Jesus doesn't look like me? Would I love him anyway? Why, yes. Yes, I would. I've got a word for somebody right now. 
that you've known a life of rejection and you've known a life of sorrow and you've known a life of heartache and you've heard the message of the gospel over and over and over again and as of yet you've been reluctant to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because until this point, because of the rejection of man, because of, because of the insecurity that has been built into your heart and your life, you have never felt worthy. I want to tell you something today. Jesus loves you just like you are. Jesus loves you right where you are. He loves you so much that those John 3.16 and Romans 5 passages that we referenced earlier, you could personalize those and say, for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. God demonstrated his love to me and that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And I plead with you. I plead with you right now in the name of Jesus that if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, today, is your day of redemption. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Father, I thank you that you are my way maker. I didn't have to get it right. I didn't have to live up to the standard of man to be accepted by you. I can be accepted by you right now by simply confessing that I'm a sinner and asking you to forgive me and asking you, oh Lord, to take up residence in my heart and my life. Right now, Lord, I surrender my days to you. I give you this life that it is no longer I who live, but you who live through me, O oh God. And from this day forward, Lord, I want to be an ambassador of your love in this world. Friend, if you prayed that very simple prayer, led by the Holy Spirit this morning, not because Pastor Steve told you to, but because there was something stirring in your heart. And we believe you're born again and you've started a new and glorious, incredible journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you did that, would you find the link in the comments below and just fill out that simple form and let us know? We want to pray with you. We want to unleash our pastoral care team on you to guide you through the next steps and help you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. We pray that God blesses you on your new journey. Church, has been amazing to be with you this morning. And I pray that this message has resonated in your heart and your spirit. I pray that you'll share it with your friends. And that you'll help us get this redemptive word out to this nation that so desperately needs this healing. I pray for you that during this difficult time, Myself, Pastor Lisa, our team, we pray for you continually that God would just encourage your heart. Whatever you're walking through, whatever trial you're facing, that God would just strengthen you. I've asked our worship team if they would just come back and lead us in that, in that song one more time as we close today. Just reminding us that God is a way maker, a miracle worker. A light in the darkness, that is who he is. Won't you look to him today as you're running this race of faith, the author and finisher of our faith, and glorify him and praise him right now in these moments. Hey, it's been good to be with you today. Until next time, I'm Pastor Steve wishing you a Jesus-filled week. 
Would you just get up on your feet right now, wherever you are, and begin to lift the name of Jesus with our team. God bless you. We'll see you next time. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.